Fresh Art International presents Fresh Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. We represent the way that the younger people feel, and so we saying it, and a lot of younger people have these older idols to look up to, and these idols look soft. You know what I'm saying? Whistling on the niggas. heard the soundtrack from one of artist Fahamu Peku's music videos. In a conversation recorded on Skype, we talk about art and hip-hop, why he's going for a doctoral degree, and how he curated the latest art papers issue. This is Kathy Bird, Fresh Talk producer, and I'm here with Fahamu Peku, the shit... And we're having a conversation about all his projects in Atlanta and beyond. Wow, Fahamu, you have completely transformed your creative practice since I met you in Atlanta. What was it? Over 10 years ago, right? Yeah, it's been, it's been, we we have a a long, long history together. We do. And you are so much more than a painter now. Who are you exactly? (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think my business card says it all. I I am the shit. And that is all encompassing. I'm a, uh, a student now in the PhD program at Emory University. Uh, I have uh, recently guest edited um, Art Papers magazine. Um, you know, still an ex- exhibiting artist. Uh, regularly lecture. Um, I'll be teaching soon, and um, you know, my, I'm a dad. Uh, you know, I'm, you are I'm, the shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm I mean, all that, and all a little that. bit more. Yeah. You told me once when we were talking last year, you said that your brand came first and then the right. art. Tell me what happened. Uh, okay. Uh, well, you know, um, I graduated from the Atlanta College of Art in 97, and I had big dreams of being a world-famous exhibiting artist, um, but I didn't quite know how to get there. And, um, you know, right after school, I worked my way into a uh, graphic design job where I was designing a lot of collateral for hip-hop artists and small businesses and political candidates, etc. Um, I started out in New York, but eventually I uh, came back to Atlanta um, because I thought that, you know, I could do a little more um, and have my own business as opposed to working for somebody uh, in Atlanta as opposed to being in New York. Um, but during that time, I was, you know, actively trying to get my work into galleries and I was doing the things that I was taught in school, which was, you know, to make work, take slides and send your package to galleries and stuff. And, um, you know, I was doing that, but I wasn't getting any calls back. Uh, and after a couple of years of this, you know, it just became really frustrating. Um, I wasn't sure what was missing or what I was doing wrong. And as a joke, my friends and I were like, well, maybe people can't pronounce your name. And I was at at the time, I was working on a uh, campaign for Shirley Franklin, who was running for mayor for the, her first term. I remember we were having this conversation because we were joking around about the fact that at the end of, uh, at the uh, bottom of all the collateral we created for her, we had to put, pay for about a committee to make Shirley Franklin mayor of Atlanta. And I just thought that was really kind of uh, funny and, and, and awesome at the same time. I was like, you know, I, I need a committee. So I was like, I'm going to make up my own committee. And so I came up with a campaign called Fahamu Peku's The Shit. And it was paid for by the committee to make Fahamu Peku officially the shit. 
And um, it started out as a joke. But part of my thinking was if I do this campaign and put enough material out there, maybe these galleries may not be able to pronounce my name, but they'll recognize it when they see it and they'll be more inclined to take a closer or more serious look at it. Um, and so the campaign originally started out as just a sort of awareness, street marketing, grassroots kind of campaign. Like I really just wanted to get my name out there and to really see what would happen, to see if it would really change the response that I got uh, to the work. And For Humble Pickles, the shit campaign started out with just stickers and posters that I would wheat paste, you know, around the city on walls and billboards and stuff like that. And the whole idea, again, was to just see what would happen. Um, and it was almost an instant hit. Like people immediately started to recognize me from the posters because, you know, the, the poster featured an a image of me, um, a kind of stylized uh, image that was designed um, or, or, or kind of patterned after the way hip hop artists were marketed and specifically 50 Cent. And so it was me with no shirt on and like a really hard pose and, you know, just said Fahamu Pekka was the shit. It didn't tell you anything about me or what I did. It just literally said Fahamu Pekka was the shit and paid for it by the committee to make Fahamu Pekka was the shit. And that was really the way like I kind of got my feet moving, I guess, um, in the art world because people began to respond to it. And even if they didn't understand it, it had them talking like they was like, who's Fahamu and why does he think he's a shit? Or what is the shit? Like, what does that even mean? It just really opened up a space for people to have conversations about what I was doing. And for me, it was fun. The more things I did, the more, you know, things I did in, with regards to the campaign, the more curious it made me about what I could actually do. Um, and so, you know, being able to manipulate a response, you know, to preempt a response, you know, was, was really kind of fascinating to me. So people that thought they knew you suddenly started asking themselves questions. Right, right. And, and even people who didn't, you know, know me, you know, uh, one of the things that I did as a part of the campaign is I would, I would go to, like, Walmart and buy these, like, heat transfer uh, inkjet uh, printing paper, and I would print up the slogan and different graphics and, and, and iron them onto T-shirts and give them to my friends, you know, and it would say Fahamu Peku was a shit. And they would be walking down the street and people would be like, oh, man, that's such a cool T-shirt. I don't know who Fahamu is, but I want one of those shirts, you know. <laughs> so it, it was like, I guess it was like almost like the shock value, you know what I mean? Like, who, you know, again, who is this guy? Like, who is Fahamu and, you know, why is he the shit? You know, that, that was like the, the running question. Um, I even threw a couple parties, you know, that were called um, official shit parties, you know. And uh, at one of them, at the very first one, um, you know, we advertised this party. It, you know, it didn't really say, again, who Fahamu was or what I did. And uh, at the actual event, I'm sitting at the bar at, right after the doors open. And there was a, almost a, a, an immediate crowd, like the place was packed. And this guy came up to me at the bar. I was standing there, and I guess he didn't recognize me from the flyer. And he was like, you know, who, who's this Fahamu dude? And is he like a rapper or something like that? Like, what's going on here? You know, um, and I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know who he is either, you know. But around uh, midnight, the lights came up on the stage, and I had an easel and a canvas set up. And I just got up on stage and started painting. Um, and the DJ is playing music and people kind of watched for a second and then they just kind of got caught up in the music. And the next thing you know, it's just like a big party. And it was, it was cool. Like nobody knew what was going to happen, you know, but people just came anyway, because it was like, who's Fahamu? 
Um, and, and it was fun. Like, you know, so I just continued to do stuff like that and to really kind of push at the expectations that people had around um, what a visual artist could do and could be. If you're appearing as the shit in public in a performative way, what would you look like now? What would it, what would I see? What would I encounter? Uh, well, the, originally the, uh, the final pick was a shit character was really patterned and designed to um, make you think about celebrity and specifically black masculinity and celebrity, which often is, you know, kind of hip hop uh, guys. And so I would arrive with like an entourage, a bevy of women and bodyguards and show up at places and just throw shade at people. Like I wouldn't talk to people. And a lot of times I would say it was like an anti-performance because there was a lot less about what I did or said as opposed to how people were reacting to me. Nowadays, the, the character, the performance still kind of plays off of that idea of what celebrity looks like. But I'm, um, at the same time, I'm also toying with the expectations that people have about a black man of high profile and the sort of way that people have come to expect their serving of black masculinity. Like I like to, to, to play with that and to to tease that. So I'll kind of cater how Fahamu Pekus and shit is going to appear based on the audience that I'll be dealing with. So sometimes it's more of the hip hop guy. Sometimes it's more of the academic guy. Sometimes it's more of the just regular me, which really throws people off if they're expecting the hip hop guy or something like that. It's always about kind of manipulating expectations um, and, and, and really hopefully challenging people to, to think broader than stereotypes allow. You've been in the doctoral studies program at Emory since 2012, right? That's correct, yes. And how do you see this degree contributing to your work? Well, it's been a really great experience um, because it's really challenged the way that I'm thinking about my work and really opened me up to a lot of scholarship that um, addresses some of the concerns that I was dealing with in my work. Um, and really the idea, the thinking behind um, pursuing a degree in the first place was to be able to, to marry what's happening with the you know, more uh, academic fields in terms of black masculinity and what I was doing with, with my artwork. Because uh, a lot of times I would do a piece and you know, I, I would just kind of be coming from my own personal experience or understanding and somebody would see see the piece or see something I was working on and be like, hey man, that's really cool. Have you read what Bell Hooks wrote about that? And I'm like, who's Bell Hooks? And then I'll go look it up and, and, and read or somebody be like, yo, you should go check out what Mark Anthony Neal said about this. And I found myself, um, even before I was uh, in school, doing a lot of sort of academic research and study about what's been said about certain um, ideas that I'm addressing in my work. And then figuring out a way to apply it uh, to my work. I'm really interested in this notion of what's called public scholarship and figuring out a way to take these, you know, very high level intellectual ideas and make them something that's accessible in a more entertaining way um, and in a way that engages through the arts um, and, and, and in popular culture. And you even have a Tumblr site you call Scholarship. Yeah. Scholarship is a really good way for me to connect the, the, the worlds that I'm interested in, which is art, hip-hop, and, and academia. And, and all of those things come together on Scholarship. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, most often it's my own 
observations and, and brief essays about different topics. But uh, sometimes, you know, I'm, I, I repost uh, something that another scholar may have said and there's nothing else I need to say about it, you know, um, or I'm posting art or music or just things that I'm thinking about. Um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, creating again, creating a space that allows people to to engage who may not feel like they have had the privilege or the opportunity to engage in those areas um, before. Well, in one of your recent posts, you protested the Grammy Awards, and I was reading what you wrote, uh, that your major concern has more to do with the role of art and the responsibility of the artist, particularly as it relates to black artists in Western culture. Mm -hmm. what, what did you mean there exactly? Um, well, basically, it's, a, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot um, over the last few years and, and really just being a student and an observer of, of culture and thinking about the kinds of messages, the kinds of images, <clears throat> the kinds of uh, um, popular, um, uh, the kind of popular discourse that gets directed towards and, 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 and marketed to black communities. Um, and I really kind of take issue with the fact that the message, especially if you listen to urban radio, the types of things that you hear on urban radio are, it, it's almost like a, at the risk of sounding like a conspiracy theorist, it's almost like it's a poison. It's the same sort of thing, sex, drugs, violence. And that's it on constant rotation, 24 hours a day. Um, and not that there's not space for those kinds of things to happen. I'm a, you know, hip hop fan through and through. Um, and I, you know, I listen to everything from Snoop to most death. You know, I appreciate all of it, but I want to challenge the fact that some of the more, I'll say socially responsible or some of the, uh, uh, music that's made that has a, a bit more of a positive or healthy spin to it doesn't get aired. I think that's by design. Um, and I think that, you know, it's incumbent upon us as consumers to challenge those kinds of things. And, and because I think we've, uh, as Americans, we have become really accustomed to just taking things at face value and not critically engaging with media or critically engaging with, you know, entertainment um, in any kind of way. And, and I am asking, I'm, I'm suggesting that, you know, we need to take a more critical look at the kinds of things that we're hearing. Well, I obviously agree with you. I wouldn't be making this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm curious. I, I'm a curator, as you know, and I, I consider this Fresh Art International my curatorial platform. And I know you're curating, uh, you just curated a magazine, you're curating mm -hmm. conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your stance on the word curator? Because everybody's a curator these days. I'd see a curator like a good party host. Um, it's that person who can bring um, all the right pieces together and, and put, it in a, put it together in a way that's aesthetically pleasing. And that's kind of how I see my, my role as a curator. One of, one of the things that's always been important to me is the fact that like growing up, I never went to an art gallery or museum. I, I, I never entered a, a gallery or museum until I was like 19 years old. But I've always been an artist. I've always been interested in art. I've always drawn and made art. But, you know, I didn't grow up in a world that, that supported that. 
And as I became an artist uh, and in my professional career, you know, I often run into uh, to people who get an introduction to art through the work that I do. And they find that they can connect to it in a way that they feel like they haven't been allowed to or afforded the opportunity to do. So, you know, I'll get some young guys who are walking by a gallery where maybe my work is exhibiting and they see through the window some images that really appeal to them. And they come in and they're looking around. They're like, wow, this is art. I didn't know this could be art. I get this. I understand this. And it always makes me think about the fact that just because we may not see these young guys in the galleries and museums all the time doesn't mean that they can't appreciate what goes on in those spaces. And, or even, even more, that they don't have a need to connect to what's going on in those kinds of spaces. And I want to create a kind of um, world where, where they do feel welcome, where people who don't necessarily have a major art collection in their home or parents who are big time art collectors, that they don't have to feel alienated from that world, that, they, that there is a place for them to connect. And so as an as a artist, as a curator, as an academic, like I'm interested in building bridges. And that doesn't mean everybody's going to want to come in, but if the bridge is there, those who do want to come in can't. Your issue of art papers, for example, do you call it art intersects with hip hop? It's about intersections mm-hmm. um, and, and, and where art and hip-hop connect to each other. I think, you know, again, it's kind of similar to what I was saying about um, the, the Grammys stuff and my observations about urban music, is there seems to be an agenda to make these very clear distinctions and, and separations. Um, but hip-hop and art are the same thing. It's not different at all. If you go back to the genesis of hip-hop culture, everything was all there. It was a culture because it had all these moving pieces. It was visual art. It was music. It was dance. It was theater and drama. It was performance. It was, um, it was scholarship. It was all of these things were all a part of the, the, uh, the, the genesis of hip hop. And it was only as it became more, um, popular or, or more, um, socially accepted as, as a norm and hip hop culture wasn't going anywhere that it began to get fragmented, you know, um, and, and, and broken up. So, you know, the corporate investors saw that the music was more lucrative. And so they threw all the money at rap music, you know, um, put all the attention on rap music such that the other pieces of the art form get kind of pushed to the back and almost forgotten. Um, and so I was interested in, in, in bringing back to the conversation the way that all of these different aspects of the culture actually intersect with each other and in doing so hopefully open up the conversation so that we're not just considering art as something that exists in museums and galleries and thinking about hip hop as something that happens in the hood, but that, you know, art happens in the hood and hip hop happens in the galleries. You know what I mean? So let's talk about the intersections as opposed to where they separate or where they're different. I guess ideally you have art papers as the perfect context for the dialogue, but wouldn't it be great if this same essay appeared in a hip-hop magazine? Most definitely. Most definitely. And, you know, part of the uh, reason for the programming pieces that I've designed around the, uh, the art papers magazine is to open up the dialogue beyond art papers, because art papers would or does have a very kind of specific audience that mm-hmm. Uh, would be aware or even 
be subscribers to the magazine, but I didn't want to just limit the conversation to art papers or to the art world or to those followers, but to use art papers as kind of a, a springboard to say, here's, here's a place where we can begin a conversation and now let's take this conversation beyond the pages and into the actual community um, in different ways. So how are you doing that? I've been doing a couple of different things. So one of them is a series that I do on Twitter. It's called Open Mic. Open Mic has been uh, really cool. It's uh, a live Twitter conversations with between myself and contributors to the, this particular art papers issue. We advertise that people can follow in using the hashtag Art by Hip Hop, Art X Hip Hop. Those conversations are, are then uh, cataloged and rebroadcast in its entirety for those who weren't able to follow along. Uh, so that's one thing, Open Mic. Uh, another uh, series that we're doing is an event called Rap Sessions. Rap Sessions is a series of live conversations between high-profile figures from the hip-hop world and high-profile figures from the art world, um, engaging in a very natural, easy conversation. It's not a panel discussion. It's not a, you know, um, uh, some kind of, you know, lecture series or anything like that. It's literally just a conversation. Like, you know, I, I kind of mediate the conversation uh, just to kind of get it going. But, you know, it's really about the two guests. Um, and it's just three people talking shit. Our first um, guest for the, um, the first event will be uh, Michael Rooks, who's the curator of uh, modern and contemporary art at the High Museum and uh, hip hop artist and actor T.I. These conversations will move around the city to different um, spaces so that they, you know, not only activate different communities in terms of who the guests are, but also activate different communities based on where these conversations physically happen. Um, so the first one is going to be at the High Museum. Um, and then subsequent ones will be in different spaces. So, you know, we have uh, um, one that will be happening at the offices of Burn Away, which is another local um, arts publication. Um, but they have a community space uh, where they host events. Um, we'll be doing stuff at, like, different uh, recording studios. So Stankonia Studios, which is um, the studio that belongs to uh, hip-hop group Outkast. Um, so we'll do a conversation there or we'll do conversations like this in barbershops. We'll do um, a series of uh, four here in Atlanta. Um, and then the plan is to travel around the country and do them in different cities. Uh, you know, again, changing the audience, changing the guests um, and, and again, engaging different communities in different kinds of ways. Exploit the youth, we tell them to join the gang. We tell them dope stories, introduce them to the gang. Just like I love a North introduced us to cocaine. In the 80s when them bricks came on military plane. That was Killer Mike's performance of Reagan. An interview with Mike is just one of the perspectives voiced in the art papers issue that Fahamu just curated. What I tried to do was um, really think about the issue in terms of what I would want to read, you know, um, which, which was actually, I think, a, a, a really good uh, practice for me because it opened up the conversation about hip-hop and art to be much broader than I initially conceived um, on, on my own. And so the submissions go from everywhere, from interviews with uh, hip-hop artists. We have an interview with uh, hip-hop artist Killer Mike, who's like a super, super, super dope very insightful, very outspoken individual anyway. So anytime I get to have a conversation with him is awesome. 
We have an essay that provides a, a different sort of perspective on the, uh, the performance that happened uh, this past summer with Jay-Z at a Pace Gallery in New York. Um, and a lot of people challenged that performance on its merits as a performance art piece. Um, but this piece by Mark Anthony Neal, who's a professor at Duke University, actually uses the opportunity to talk about the way hip-hop um, transforms the spaces that it comes to occupy. Um, and the importance of that. Um, and I think that's a really, a, a really unique perspective and one that really opens up the dialogue about hip-hop and art in a different kind of way. We have people who are contributing, talking about the way fashion factors into hip-hop and art, the way African cultural retentions factor into art and hip-hop. We have pieces that talk about the performative aspects of hip-hop and particularly the way the queer hip-hop movement queers both hip-hop culture as well as performance space and as well as queer theory, which is a really, really complicated <laughs> piece, but I thought also a very poignant piece. I feel pretty good in saying that we were able to offer a really broad and challenging perspective on hip-hop and art and its intersections in a way that um, is respectful you know, of, of both mediums and respectful of the artists who are participating and also challenging to the reader. So it makes everybody have a, a different sort of uh, perspective, uh, you know, and that's what I was hoping to accomplish. Based on the response to your call, I guess there is a broad group of people doing critical research and writing on this topic. Yeah, I mean, it was, the, the response was overwhelming. I mean, I, I think it was almost immediate like as soon as we sent out the call within you know a couple of hours you know we had dozens of of submissions it was like people were kind of sitting on these stories waiting on a, a, a place to to present them you know it was it was pretty awesome i'm curious what what's your bigger goal for this whole project where are you going Fahami? Uh, I, I think because my work has always straddled these two worlds hip-hop and art that i'm really interested in Establishing myself as that that guy, the art hip hop guy, I would like to play an integral role in, in driving the conversation that happens there. I kind of felt like rather than wait for somebody else to do it, I'll, I'll step in and, and make it happen. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's been great talking to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and um, you know, really happy to be a part of Fresh Art International and everything that you guys got going on. I'm really uh, honored. Thank you. We get caught up in the swag and the trappings. We buy the products without examining. Find truth in the lies niggas rapping. We get enticed by the bright and the shiny things. Gotta see the cost is our souls. And all that glitters ain't goals. That was Fresh Talk with Fahamu Peku. He's an artist and scholar based in Atlanta. On freshartinternational.com, you can read more about his work. A big thank you to Fahamu and other followers who've donated to FAI's Power Up campaign. You can donate too. Visit our site, click on the support button, and give what you can. Thank you, and please keep listening. There's some great fresh talk coming up in 2014.